All right. Hey, Rockbridge, I hope everybody's doing great. I want to welcome you wherever you're gathered. Any of our six physical locations are also online. Thanks so much for tuning in. My name is Matt, one of the pastors on our team, and just excited to continue uh, this series <coughs> called uh, Dangerous Prayers. Let, let's kind of give, just remind ourselves of some context. We started 2021, and we just asked this question, do we want a year, do we want a life based on what we can do, or do we want one based on what God can do? And, and, and so many of us just said, hey, we want what God can give, we want what God can do, which meant we had to put ourselves and have to continually put ourselves into a posture of prayer because God has ordained prayer as the channel that his grace and his power and his wisdom and his truth flow. And so this summer, what we're doing in a, in a series of messages is we're just talking about some dangerous prayers that we can pray that would unleash what God can do, unleash the grace that God wants to give into our hearts, into our minds, and into our lives. So I'm just excited to continue this conversation with us. And uh, I have to keep with tradition. Those of you that have been here long enough know that when it's Shark Week season, I have to always talk about sharks, okay? So it is Shark Week season. With, and I, I found out there's like two now. There's Discovery Channel Shark Week and there's National Geographic does some knockoff version, but they're still talking about sharks. So it will uh, be recording that in the Evans household. But I, I saw this and, because, you know, there's all these reports now. Hey, it's kind of like people are back in the water and they show all these pictures of people swimming and kids swimming and then they get a drone shot and there's a shark swimming near them. And so they have to put up these signs that are like shark sighted. I don't need that sign. I've seen Jaws, okay? So, so I, I know that there's sharks out there. But what this illustrates, though, is a problem that, that we have. And the problem is we can be somewhere, we can be around someone, we can be in an environment, and we can be unaware of things that are around us. We can be unaware of things that are potentially dangerous. We can be aware of things that are potentially great. Like we can be unaware of opportunities. We can be unaware. This is amazing. We can be unaware of God. We can be unaware of danger. We can be unaware. We have blind spots. We have things that we can't perceive and we can't understand and we can't fathom. And so there's a great challenge to not only potentially our, our survival like in the ocean, but to our potential as people made in the image of God that we're unaware and we have this problem of unawareness. Now, just to illustrate this, this fact, this problem of unawareness, many of us can look in the rearview mirror of our lives, and we say things like, how could I have been so blind? Can anybody raise their hand and like share that in a story? I mean, yeah, I mean, I could. Uh, and, and some of us right now, you know, you've got people in your lives, and you look at them, and you're like, you were on a path called stupid. And, and, and they're like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. This is happiness. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. You're like, no, you're on a path called stupid. And then there's probably times in your life when your mom or your dad or a friend were like, hey, you better not take that road. You better not take that road. You don't know what's down that road. And I've been down that road. And you're like, no, 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 no. I got this. I got this. And then six months later or five years later, you're like, oh, they were right. How could I have not known? How could I have not paid attention? How, how could I have ignored the signs? Because we have this problem, this problem of unawareness. So what's the solution? 
Well, to illustrate the problem and the solution, we're going to share a great, great, incredible story in Scripture. Uh, one reason we love the Bible so much is because of, of what we find in the Bible. And uh, this is from 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 6. And just to give you a little context, this is the ministry of a prophet named uh, Elisha. And Elisha is ministering at a time when there's a conflict between the nation of Aram and Israel. And so he's the prophet, and he is basically giving the king of Israel insider information about what the enemy king and the enemy armies are doing. So let's read the context, and we'll get the story. When the king of Aram was waging war against Israel, he conferred with his servants. He says, my camp will be at such and such a place. But the man of God would then send word to the king of Israel, be careful passing by this place, for the Armenians are going down there. So Elisha is like a spy. But he spies from his prophetic gifting that God has given him. So Elisha is like the drone in the sky that can say there's sharks in the water, so don't swim there. And that's what he's doing for the king of Israel, all right? So this makes the king of Aram kind of mad. So consequently, the king of Israel would then send word to the place that the man of God had told him about, and they could move the troops, move the people, and remain safe. The man of God repeatedly warned the king so the king would be on his guard. Well, the king of Aram was enraged because of this matter, and he calls his servants and demanded of them. Tell me which one of us is for the king of Israel. He thinks he's got a traitor in his midst. He thinks he's got a leak that's given them this secret of information. But the one of his servants says, no, my lord, the king, Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king, tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak in your bedroom. And so the king says, okay, well, go and see where he is because we got to get him. So we can get him before we're going to get Israel. So, so send men to capture him. And, when, and then he was told, Elisha is in Dothan. Elisha is in Dothan. So that's the context uh, of the story. And so the king then sends his army, horses, chariots, and a massive army there. And they went by night and surrounded the city. And so Elisha's servant, he gets up early. He gets up real early and he looks out and he sees the armies of the king of Aram. And he goes and he discovers this army surrounding the city. So he goes to Elisha and he says, oh, master, what are we to do? What are we to do? And let me pause there and, and start talking about how this begins to meet us in our human condition and maybe meets you where you are. No, you're not necessarily, there's not necessarily an army surrounding you, but this illustrates a tendency, what we see in the servant. And it's this tendency to rely solely on what we see, what we perceive, or what we feel. And we say things like, well, my gut tells me, well, my instincts tell me. We say things like, well, I think, I see, I feel. And there's this tendency that we have just to go with what we see, to go with what we feel, to go with what we can fathom, to go with what we perceive, and to go with what we understand. But we've got to remember what our problem is, right? Our problem is unawareness. So what we have to embrace before we can pray this very, very dangerous prayer, we have to embrace that what I see will always be limited. What I perceive will always be restricted. And what I feel won't always be accurate because I have this great problem called unawareness. Like the people that are swimming with sharks that are unaware of the shark, they don't feel danger. They don't see danger. They don't perceive danger. But we know they're in danger. Right? And so they got to put a sign up on the beach before you get in the water. Just be aware there's things you can't see, can't perceive, and won't feel until it's too late. So we live with that tension 
But there's a battle that goes on in every one of us that says, no, I know enough. My view is accurate. The way I'm seeing my marriage, the way I'm doing my job, the way I'm living my life, it's good or it's right. There's no problem with it. No, 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 no. You've got to embrace this problem and understand this problem of unawareness before you can pray this amazing prayer to help us overcome the problem of unawareness. See, and I don't mean to like give bad news, but it's really good news if you embrace it. Every one of us has an inner idiot, okay? Every one of us has an inner idiot. Like if you, some people said amen in the room. If you're watching online, just type in, preach it, brother, right? Because we all, if you've lived long enough, you know, like you may not even believe everything the Bible says, but I can read this to you and you can like, yeah, that was me as a teenager. Yeah, that was me in my first marriage. Yeah, that was me today. Talking to my wife, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. So all of us have been the fool where, man, this seemed right, this felt right, this looked right. I think it is right. But what, what is the, the, back, the back half of the proverb says, but the wise listen to advice. What they're saying is there's outside information. There's outside perception. There's, out, there's insight outside of me. That is necessary to overcome this problem of unawareness that can fool me, that can lie to me, that can endanger me, that can cause me to miss God's best for me. So, so we all have this inner idiot, but we also have this tendency to make an idol. Or, and now an idol is basically just a substitute for God. And, and we can substitute our own common sense for God. We can substitute another human being for God. We can substitute a, a pleasure source for God. We can substitute a career for God. We can substitute our kids for God. We can substitute a sport for God. And, and here's the danger of that. That God, little g, can't make you and I aware of what's around us and it can't make us aware of what's best for us. Listen to how the Psalms says it. Those who make idols, substitutes for God, are like them. We become like the idol, absolutely worthless, spiritually blind, deaf, and powerless. That's what that means. So is everyone who trusts and relies upon them. So, so now just take the word idol out and, and let's just substitute something from our story. I mean, some of us, you know, we trusted too much in money. Some of us, we trusted too much in a drug. Some of us are trusting too much in our careers. Some of you are, you know, you just, you trust too much in yourself because you've got great common sense or you've got a lot of experience. But the challenge is there's a limit to that. There's a, that doesn't overcome this problem of unawareness. And what happens then, and this is why God loves us too much and, and, and wants to give us insight and knowledge that's beyond you and I, because the greater problem is not the problem of unawareness, the greater problem problem is this, that our potential and our capacity are capped by who or what we trust in. That our capacity, that God's plans for us, that the best that God wants to have for us is capped 
by who or what we trust in. So if we go through life thinking we know everything, thinking, hey, we've got the full picture of, our, of marriage, of how to be a parent. We've got the full picture of how to live a happy life and do all that stuff and how to, how to you know, live the best life we can. If we go through life trusting ourselves or trusting anything but God, we're capping our capacity. We're capping our potential because we haven't overcome this problem of unawareness. Like, like for some of us today, the, the, your vision for your life is small-minded. Your, your, your vision of God is based on just this notion of, of, of going to a, good, a better place when you die. Or, or, or your, vision, your vision of God is God helps me get more money or God keeps me out of the hospital or, 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 or you know, God just helps me live the American dream. That's small-minded. God's got something bigger and something better. And your problem is still the same problem. We start with unawareness that's capping your potential or preventing you from getting to God's plans. So let's go back to the servant, Elisha's servant. He sees that he wakes up in the morning and he sees he and Elisha are surrounded by an enemy army that wants to capture them and or kill them. And so his life in that moment becomes enslaved by his problem. His life in that moment becomes consumed with managing and dealing with his problem. Now, let me say this. Life is full of problems. Problems that we create, problems that we just walk into, problems that we inherit, problems that a broken world throws at us. But in spite of all the problems... God does not want our life to be limited by just managing messes, just getting out of problems. But you listen to how some of us talk, and when we define our day, we define our day as the problems we experienced or are experiencing, and that's it. So our, our day has been capped. Our potential has been capped by a problem that we perceive or that we face, just like the servant in the story. It's all about the army. It's all about the army. It's all about God's purpose. It's all about God's provision. It's all about God's plans. It's all about the potential we have as made in his image. And when we, begin, when we are born again, his spirit comes to live inside of us. And God wants you to live a life bigger than problem management. God wants to, us to live a life bigger than what we can see, feel, or perceive. That's why he's God. And, and, and so, Elisha uses this as, as a teachable moment. A teachable moment that is insightful for you and I because of how he responds to the problem his, his servant, Eli, his servant is, is going through. And so listen to what Elisha does and what, how he handles this. He says, okay, don't be afraid. You're like, whoa, 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 but there's a big army out there that wants to get us. There's a big shark in the world. Don't, don't be afraid. And he says, for those who are with us, outnumber those who are with them. In other words, you're seeing only part of the picture. And if that's the only part of the picture that you look at, you will be enslaved. And you won't live your potential. And you won't fulfill your purpose. And you'll miss God's best for your life. How many of us today 
watching, listening to this message, how many of us today are more consumed with the problem we see than the provision God has for us, the life God has for us? How many, how many of us have ever said, hey, God, help me overcome my unawareness? Because I know we've prayed, God, get rid of the army. I, I know we've prayed, God, make the shark go away. I, I know we've prayed, the, get me out of this or give me relief from this. But that's not what Elisha's going to pray for. He's not going to pray, God, send, send fire on them. He's not going to pray, make them go away. He's not going to pray any of those things. And this is where the dangerous prayer comes in. And here it is. And, it, and it's just so crazy, so powerful, and so important. Then Elisha prays, Lord, please open his eyes and just let him see. Those are who with us outnumber those who are with them. Lord, just please open his eyes. Let him see. Let him see who you are. Let him see your provision. Let him see your glory. And so the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw that the mountain was covered with horses and chariots of fire all around the man of God, Elisha. So Elisha's servant was just simply unaware of the presence of God's grace and the presence of God's glory. And, and I wonder, just as we go through our lives, I wonder how many of us have lost awareness of God, have lost awareness of God's grace, God's power, God's purposes for us, God's love for us. Because listen, you can go through your day and you'll encounter sharks and you'll be surrounded by armies. And then you start to doubt God and become less aware of God's love and God's grace and God's power and God's provision. And, and, and some of you right now, I mean, you, if you just were totally honest, like, man, I, I, I kind of am operating like an atheist. But maybe the problem is that you're just unaware. And, and maybe the, the, the prayer is, God, open my eyes. Open my eyes to see your grace, your provision. Open my eyes to see your glory. Listen, I, I, you know, some many of you know this, and you've asked me about it, and I appreciate your prayers. I, you know, I, I was in Nicaragua, Nicaragua in a vacation, and, and, and listen, we're down there just praying through, investigating trying to discern a, a partnership that's emerging for us in that country and just so powerful and so amazing. But listen, I, I just want to tell you from my perspective, Matt Evans, my story, my walk with Jesus, I needed to get out of America. I needed to get out of my bubble. I needed to see what God's doing I, I needed to see things beyond just how, how this season we've all been has kind of made a lot of us small-minded. It's made a lot of us turn inward and just kind of look at ourselves and our deal and, and get mad about or get confused about or get worried about. I just needed to get out of my bubble. And, and, and literally, my whole prayer is, God, just show me where you're working down here. And open my eyes because, man, I had just gotten nearsighted 
I mean, I think 2020 and COVID and politics and this and that does that to a person, maybe. My own junk, my own stuff. Just, I needed that expansion of vision. And it reminded me of what this principle that's emerging from this incredible story that we are not to live by what we see or by what, by what our minds can perceive. We're not to live at that level. Many of us do. Many of us live at the level of what we can see, we can understand, and our minds can comprehend. That's the level we live at. And that's the level we'll live up to. And if we, that's the level we live up to, we will always be living less than the life God wants for us, died to give us, and puts his spirit in us to enable us to experience it. So, so right now, if the way you handle money is only by what you can see, you're missing God's best. Right now, if the way you're seeing your marriage is just by your feelings, which are fragile, and sometimes your feelings are dead wrong, then your marriage is less than God wants for you. Right, right now, if the way you're looking at your job is just on, you know, what you've heard and what you're hearing and the scuttlebutt going on at the office, then you're living less than what God has for you. If you look at your life and you're like, man, I feel like a failure. I feel like a loser. I am filled with shame and guilt and frustration and anger. Then you are living less than what God has for you because you are living only what you can see, only what you can perceive, and only what you feel. And so Elisha steps into the servant and says, look, 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 you can't go with just what your mind sees. This isn't a math problem. This is a sight problem. And so the alternative is this, and this is the way it's always been designed by God. We live by what God sees in us, for us, and reveals to us by what he says. Okay, so God says... We believe it, that's called faith, and then we're living by what God sees. That's the way we're supposed to live. So what does God say about me? What does God say about this? What does God say? And that's living by what God sees. Now, this problem is not new to Elisha's servant. It's not new to Matt Evans in 2021 or you and your context and whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're struggling with. This goes all the way back to the beginning. Well, what, what happened to Adam and Eve? They lived by what they saw and what their minds perceived. Even though God said it's bad, they saw that it looked good. The rest is history, right? What, what, what if they had just said, no, 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 no. What if they had just said, we're going to go by what God says. We're going to go, no, 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 no. But, but it looks good, Adam. It looks good, Eve. No, we're going to go with what God says. What did they do? They thought they knew better than God. And what was their problem? They lost awareness of what God had said, and it brought death, and it brought discord, and it brought division, and it affected all of creation. It affected our bodies, our biology, and the whole creation now is broken. And then so what does God do? He sends his son Jesus to pay our sin debt to die to live the life we're supposed to live and he'll credit us with that righteousness and we'll put our sinfulness on him so so why don't more people give their lives to jesus because they're blind they don't see what god has done for them and what god has for them in christ they're like no i want a life not in christ i want a life with me in the at the steering wheel 
I want a life in money. I want a life on this path. And that's our inner idiot (laughs) speaking to us. So, Lord, open our eyes that we might see who you are, what you're providing, what you're doing, what you're inviting us to. Now, now here's the question, okay? Why is this so dangerous? Why is this a dangerous prayer? Because, I mean, if there's a shark in the water, you want to know it, right? Well, why, why is it dangerous for us to say, Lord, open my eyes so I can see what you say? Open my eyes, God, so I can see myself the way you see me. I can see my job the way you see me. I can see my boss who's a jerk the way you see my boss. I mean, all those kind of things. Why is it so dangerous to pray that way? Clarity. Clarity. Because as soon as you have clarity, you're at a crossroads, right? You're at a decision point. Do I go the way of God or the way of the world? Do I go the way of God or do I go with my gut? Do I go the way of God or do I go with my common sense? So there's clarity all of a sudden. I mean, Jesus told an illustration that to me is one of the most profound illustrations of what it means to follow Jesus Christ. He doesn't go up to people and say, hey, do you want to miss hell and go to heaven? I mean, who's going to say, no, I want to go to hell? No, he doesn't do that. He goes up and he says, you need to count the cost of following me. Now, he says, I'm worth it. But you have to believe that before you experience it. So you got to count the cost. Take up your cross daily, he says, and follow me. Now, why does he present salvation, discipleship, why does he present it in kind of a, because he's producing clarity. He's producing clarity. And, And so the moment you and I see based on what God says, we're at a decision point, right? Because a lot of us, we want to remain in control. We want to go with the gut, go with the hunch, go with the world because that feels safe, that feels comfortable, that keeps me in control. And we say we believe in God, but we're not really following God. We're not going with what he says. We're going with what we feel, what we perceive, and our unawareness problem, right? So, so the, the danger is just the clarity. But the, the blessing on the other side of that is the confidence and the courage to take the steps down the path the Lord has revealed. To take the path the Lord has revealed. But anytime God gives clarity, we have to give up to receive what God has opened up. So the servant had to give up his fear. I, I think a lot of people are just comfortable living in fear. I mean, because you know why? Because everything's being sold to us by the media, by our politicians, by our leaders, is fear based. And we buy it. And, and, and some of us, you know, we get mad about science and we talk about bad science and we just replace bad science with bad religion. Right. And, and we live in a fear-based culture. But, but the, the question is, we have to give that up and walk in the freedom and the clarity and the confidence that God is with us. And the God, the God that's with us is much greater than those forces in the world. 
right? So we have to give up. I mean, some of us, when God gives you that clarity, you'll have to give up control. Yeah, you'll have to give up some money. You may have to give up a girlfriend or a boyfriend. God has the spiritual gift of breaking people up. When he makes us aware. And that, that's why this is dangerous. But it's also why it's exciting and compelling. Because once we embrace the problem of unawareness, once we realize we all have blinders on and there's blind spots, once we realize that our minds can't comprehend the greatness and the glory of God, our, I mean, the scriptures even say we can't comprehend all that God has in store for those that he loves. And you're like, Matt, how do I know he loves me? Look at the cross. He died for you and he died instead of you on that cross. I pray to the Lord God right now. He helps your eyes see that, behold that, receive that, live from that love. And then the best is always yet to come right? So let, let me just kind of walk through some areas of potential unawareness, areas of potential unawareness. The first one is, and this is like a big part of my story, the first one is our identity. I mean, everybody walks in here on a weekend or turns your device on and tunes into this message whenever you're watching it, and you have a functional identity. It's, a, it's, it's how you function. And it could be what you do, what you have, what people say about you. It could be your past and, and, and the scars that you have and the pain that you carry and the regrets that you have. It could be shame. It could be guilt. It could be a sense of your, it could be what makes you feel proud to be you. It could be a lot of different things. But I, I pray this, I, I pray this, I pray this, that you would know who God says you are and learn to live and let that be your functional identity. Because there's freedom there, there's joy there, and there's peace there. I've, I've told you this before. I had, a, I had a pastor sort of mentor about 10, 11 years ago, and he made this statement. He goes, I'm at my best when I wake up every day, and I, have no, and I live as if I have nothing to lose and no one to impress. That'd make every day a pretty good day because you're receiving and you're aware of your identity as a son or daughter that Jesus died for. Your why. Your why. Why you're here. Not, not, not just here today watching, but here on this planet, in the neighborhood, at the job, in the relationship spheres that you have. Why you're here. Some of us are unaware some of us, if you, said, if you really looked at our lives, you, you would think our why was to have fun. Nothing wrong with having fun, but that's not your why. Some of us, our why is, man, I'm just trying to survive. No, no, God created you, died for you, put his spirit inside of you for so much bigger than that. Some of you, you would say your why is, I just manage problems and put out fires. No, your why is so much bigger than that. Some of you, you're like, well, my why is my job. No, 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 your job's your platform, it's not your why. What does God say, right? Don't be unaware of your why. Other areas of unawareness, this is like our circumstance. Some of us totally live as a slave to our circumstances. If things go our way, it's a good day. If things don't go our way, it's a terrible day. And God's not in control anymore. 
And we're like that servant. My master, Elisha, there's a big army out there. Lord, open his eyes so he can see. God's word. This is where I want to I, I, I ask for some specific prayers over our church, over our cities, over our communities, over our nation. Here's what we need to understand. We need God's help to see what he's saying in his word to us. It's called the doctrine of illumination, that God has to supernaturally shine a light into our minds, into our souls, so we grasp scripture. Like when I just say John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. A lot of us hear that and it's like, you know, hearing, you know, hey, you know, spring football started or, you know, it's about time for fall or what, or school's about, school's out or we're going on vacation and there's no, <gasps> why? Because we're not seeing the weight, the glory, the significance or of for God so loved the world that he gave. So before we read our Bibles, we ought to pray, Lord, help me see what you're saying to me. Before we walk into a church service or, or turn, tune in online, God, help me to see today. Those of you that subscribe to Time with God or have a time where you open the Word of God on your own, and I pray and I hope many of you do more days than you don't. The first thing ought not to be, let me just read these chapters. God, help me to see what you're saying. I want us all to be praying for our cities, for our services, for our communities. God, help people to see what you're saying. Because you, you don't need me to tell you. If you're a Christ follower, you don't need me to tell you. The world doesn't see what God says. The world isn't receiving what God has done on the cross. The, the world doesn't see their identity, their why, and their circumstances in light of what God has done and what God has provided. Another area of potential unawareness are just open doors. I mean, sometimes, you know, we just walk through life and we're blind to the opportunities to be a blessing. We're blind to the opportunities to represent Jesus Christ in our jobs, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, to our kids, to our spouses. We're just blind to that. This is one reason we're just doing the Serve the City at the end of July. And my hope is that if you're here today, listening today, in one of our six cities today, you are going to sign up and show up. Don't sign up and not show up. Sign up and show up to one of those you know, you don't have to do all, you don't have to do five days, do, do five minutes, do, do a 30 minute, do an hour, do, but you would do something and go through these open doors through all these opportunities that we have to go and demonstrate and declare the love of Christ. And, and then the final area of, uh, and there's probably more, but just as I was thinking and praying through this, the problems of the world and our purpose. You know, the church in America has gotten really good at being angry and condemning. And we'll look outside and we'll look at our leadership, whether it's political or business or whatever. Or we'll look at what they're doing and what they're trying to do. And we just get mad. We just get mad. And we get critical spirits and we complain and, and we condemn on social media. And we huddle in our holy huddles and we wag our fingers. Would you get mad at a blind person that stumbled and fell? No, you'd have compassion and you'd want to help. When you understand the greatest problem of the world and the greatest problem of people that are without Jesus Christ is spiritual blindness, it changes how you interact with them. 
You don't condemn them. You have compassion for them and want to help them see. And you are like Elisha praying, Lord, open their eyes so they can see. Open their eyes so they can see you. Open their eyes so they can see your love. Open their eyes so they can receive an identity and a why that is bigger and beyond that. This is why our church came into existence. Our church did not come into existence to wag a finger of condemnation and and exhibit a, a critical spirit to the world. Our church came into existence because at the time in one of our counties, there were 50,000 people that did not go to church and most of whom did not know King Jesus. And so one of the greatest things we can do, we can pray as a church is what Paul told King Agrippa that his mission was. Listen to what God says to Paul. I am sending you, and we use that phrase here, love God, love others, and the third one is live sent. I am sending you to the Gentiles. Well, why is God sending them to the Gentiles? To tell them they're going to hell? No, no, no. To wag our finger and condemn them and say, how dare you doubt? No. open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who were set apart by faith in me. And so King Agrippa, I obeyed. And look at the word he uses. That vision from heaven. That vision from heaven. I pray we all have a vision of why this church exists, of why you're here for such a time as this. And it has something very, very close to this. I am sending you to open their eyes. So that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by their faith in me. Let me pray. Lord God, I love you and I thank you for a vision that you gave to Paul that you have placed in every church that's after your heart. Lord, I want to stop, though, and I want to pray specifically just for people watching and listening because I know, God, there's some people here today, and you want to open their eyes. Maybe it's about their marriage. Maybe it's about their kids, a work situation, and you just want them to see your grace and your glory, that you're with them in a way that outnumbers whatever it is they're facing or feeling. So, God, I pray you open their eyes. God, there may be some people listening and and, and they've never seen Jesus Christ as a king, a leader, a Lord, and a savior. But today, those eyes are opening and they're ready to give Jesus the steering wheel, give Jesus their sins, and become part of Jesus' story. Lord, I pray they just say yes to those things in their heart of hearts right now. Go forward in baptism. Go forward in following you, Jesus and living sent to now help other people get their eyes opened and receive forgiveness and become part of your forever family.
And God, may you fuel in our church a renewed passion, a renewed compassion for those people who have yet to see your grace and your glory in the face, the life, the death, and the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. And may God, we live sent to help people's eyes be open to Jesus Christ. It's in your name we pray, King Jesus, and for your glory we live. Amen.